Lord, we thank you. As we have witnessed this morning, we have seen what has happened in our own life again, outplayed this morning. We have passed from death to new life in you. And Lord, we want to thank you for what we've seen, what we've heard. We want to thank you for each and every candidate that has been baptized in water this morning, both young and old alike. Lord, we thank you that you have met them in a unique way. We thank you that you've extended your saving arm, your grace in their lives. And we rejoice with them today that though they were lost, now they're found. Though they may have been blind, now they see your wonderful grace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue for the time that we have left this morning. Just in the theme that we've been looking at over the last uh, number of weeks, how to build a successful life. What are the essential ingredients to building a successful life? Because there are ingredients to building a great life. There really are. There are ingredients to building a great church, a healthy church. And you know what? God wants us to know what those ingredients are so that we can put them in our lives, put them in place. Our lives aren't some kind of, you know, makeshift DIY project that just goes up any old how. Our lives, as far as God is concerned, is a precious thing. Do you know your life is a precious thing. I loved what Alex said as he gave testimony this morning before he got baptized. He was in a prison cell. His life was in a complete mess, and yet Jesus met him in a cell. I love what Wayne said about, you know, he was just going through life as an addict, and yet Jesus met Wayne on his journey through this life, building a life, maybe making a mess at life. I think we could all look back on our lives and regret some of the choices, some of the decisions that we have made. And yet, we don't have to live with regret, as we've heard. We can rejoice in the fact that Jesus found us exactly where we were, put his saving arms around us, and gave us a new life to to, to go for. Do you know, there's a blueprint for life. I've been saying this over the last few weeks. A builder needs a blueprint if he's going to build a building. It's really simple thought, really simple illustration. But if a builder turns up on site, he has to hold a blueprint in his hand from the architect On that blueprint, he sees all the dimensions, all of the materials required. It's already been worked out by the architect. The builder has to follow the instructions that are found on the blueprint. If the house is going to go up according to all of the measurements and dimensions that are found on that blueprint, if the house is going to have any kind of future... And any kind of longevity, those blueprints have to be followed. Well, it's very much the same with our lives. 
It really is. God has given us, given us His Word called the Bible. It's the blueprint for your life. It's not, you know, a book of do's and don'ts. It's not a book of, of you know, conversations where God is expressing His anger. No, it's a book where God is expressing instruction because he loves you, because he wants you to get it right, because he wants you to be successful, because he wants you to be blessed in everything you do. If you build your life according to the blueprint, it's going to go up. It's going to be well with you. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have a future. And everything that God has designed and purposed for your life is going to come about as a result of you following the simple blueprint, the simple instructions found on that, on that blueprint. It's really important to build according to God's design, to build according to God's pattern. It really is. When His Word, when we hold His Word in our hearts, like David said, I hid your Word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. What was he saying? He was saying, listen God, I'm hiding your Word in my heart because I don't want to build according to another design. I don't want to build according to another blueprint. I don't want to err on some road that I wasn't meant to go down on. I've hidden your Word, your Word in my heart so that I might not sin, so that I might not go another way, but my life might be built according to your plan, according to your pattern, according to your design. Do you know, as I was thinking this morning and just listening to the candidates, it brought back to my mind an occasion when I was in central London years ago now. And um, just as, as a result of one wrong turning, I got completely lost. I was in the car driving, heading out, to, out of London towards home. And just one wrong turning led me into a series of turnings that landed me in a place where I was completely and utterly lost. I didn't know where I was. I knew I was in London, but I didn't know where I was in London or where to go from where I was. And then I realized that there was a sat-nav in the car. Now, it was the days when sat-navs had just first come out. I'd never even used one. So I thought, oh man, I might as well chance my chance my luck, pull this thing out and get it working. I turned it on and first of all, you know, it, it begins to pick up on your location, your, where you are and pinpoint where you are. And then from pinpointing where you are, you've got to type in the postcode or the destination that you want to head to. Simple instructions. I did that, typed in the destination and then to my surprise, this thing started talking to me and instructing me and telling me what to do. And as I followed those instructions, turn left here, turn right here, go straight on. And you know, you know the, 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 the procedure that it takes you through. As I followed those instructions, I began to move out of that place of being completely and utterly confused and lost to a place where I was heading in the right direction again and on my way home. Simple illustration. 
We use sat-navs every day. You've got them on your phone now. I mean, we were in Cardiff yesterday. Daniel wanted to go to CEX to buy, you know, a video and, and some games or a DVD and some games. He just started speaking to his phone. Where is CEX? And this thing started speaking back to him. It's amazing. We use navigation systems all the time, whether it's in the car, whether it's on foot, you know, whether it's on your, on your watch, if you're, if you're out walking, if you're keeping fit. We use these navigation systems in everyday life. God says to us, I have a navigation system for you. It will never fail you. It will never allow you to take a wrong turn. It certainly won't take you down some dead-end road that leads to nowhere. This navigation system called His Word, called His precious promises, will lead you home. It will lead you to a blessed place, to a secure place, to an enriching place, an abundant place. It's God's design for your life, and if we heed the instructions, then it will go well with us. Things get complicated when we don't obey the instructions. But the amazing thing is, do you know, and you will, you know, be able to understand this when I say it. The amazing thing is that when I took a wrong turn in the car, that sat-nav didn't, you know, jump up off the dashboard and slap me across the head and, and you know, begin to argue with me and, and begin to give me some kind of, you know, heavy talk and make me feel guilty about the mistake that I'd made. No, just simply recalculated from where I was and directed me on through back onto the road that I needed to be on. It's like that with God. You know, James says that we stumble and fall in many ways. We're saved, we're born again, we're children of God, but maybe last week you may have taken a couple of detours down into Egypt and you're feeling bad about yourself today. Do you know what? The sat-nav, God's Word, doesn't jump up and smack you across the head. By grace, you've been saved. By grace, you will continue on. And by grace, you will get home, I'm telling you. It, God's Word doesn't slap you up the side of the head because of the detours that you make. It just simply recalculates what you need to do from where you are to get you back on the road that you need to be on. David in Psalm 23 says this, He leads me. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me on the road. You see, David had a sat-nav back then. He had one. He leads me. What I love about that, I was praying that over my children one morning as they were going to school. I said, Lord, lead them in paths of righteousness for your namesake. And the Lord began to open the promise up to me. And he said, do you know what, Dave? I don't just put you on a righteous road. That would be a wonderful thing if God, if God just simply put you on a righteous road and said, go on, make your way forward. Go on, head on in that direction. I'll see you sometime in the future. No, God doesn't just put you on a righteous road, although that would be a wonderful, wonderful blessing. God says, no, I'll come with you on this righteous road and I will lead you on it. It's a moment 
moment-by-moment leading. It's moment-by-moment assistance, moment-by-moment guidance. There is not a moment in your life that is outside of God's blessing, outside of God's guidance, outside of His leadership. He's a shepherd. He's a navigator. He's a builder. He He gives us blueprint instruction and guidance so that our lives may be blessed. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So that navigation system of his word, it works. David said this on another occasion, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And I need the lamp on my feet this morning. I don't know if you've noticed, I got a new pair of trainers. What do you think of them? Eh? It's a lamp unto my feet. I bought these because I thought they'd blend in. You know, you don't get noticed, do you? A pair of trainers like these? No, I know. But thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. He's saying, your word is that navigation system for my life. It's, it's a navigation not just for Sundays, but for really, really difficult, dark Mondays. It really is. It's a lamp. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. It offers you hope. You don't have to bury your head in the sand when you think about the future. No matter what the news says, no matter what's happening out there in our world, we have light according to God's word, light for our future. The, the, the news reels and, and all of the various forms of media do not give you light for the future. They give you fear, ho- hopelessness, and darkness. You listen to the reports from the news. You see the occurrences in our world through terrorism and violence and uncertainty with nations. There's no light in the future when you listen to the news of this world. But God's word, according to David, his testimony was, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and light. We listen to God's word. Fill your mind with God's Word and you'll have light in your future. Amen? You see, it's a navigation system for us to bless us and to bring us into everything that God wants us to have. Now, last week we looked at Psalm 86 verse 11. This was a cry from David's heart. This man was desperate. He was so hungry. Another occasion he said, regarding his life, regarding his devotion of life unto God, he said, my soul follows hard after you. That's a man that realizes that God is the only one that he wants in his life to guide him, to give him wisdom, to give him teaching and instruction. And on this occasion in Psalm 86, David said, teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name or unite my heart to fear your name. David was saying, teach me, teach me. This wasn't just, you know, some kind of momentary encounter with the Lord. 
David was saying, would you teach me at the deepest level? The deepest level. I understand when I'm asking you to teach me, I understand that you're going to deal with some wrong ideas. I'm opening myself for you to adjust my attitudes. I'm opening my life for you to teach me. And therefore, because I'm opening my life and asking for your presence to be near me, I'm asking for instruction. Therefore, I'm opening myself to complete change. I'm opening myself to complete transformation of life because, Lord, I want you to teach me. He knew who he was talking to, and he respected who he was talking to. And this wasn't just any glib old prayer. He was asking the Lord, the creator of the universe, the one who had led him from a young boy in the backside of the wilderness when he'd been rejected and an outcast in his family. He knew who he was speaking to and crying to when he said, teach me your ways. It was a cry from his heart of desperation. It was a cry from his heart, a hungry heart that needed guidance. There was wisdom all around David, wise people. There were people that he could have gone to. There was advice that he could have sought, but he chose to close himself in. He chose to seclude himself from all of those other voices. Oh, there are so many voices in our world that want to influence you. There are so many voices that want to shape your decisions. There are so many voices that want to take hold of your attitude and like clothes, wear themselves on your life. But David said, I don't want any of that distraction. I shut myself out from all of those voices. I'm coming to you and I'm asking you exclusively, teach me, O oh Lord. O oh Lord. You see... There's an openness to teaching right there, and in the same sentence, there's complete submission and abandonment in the title that he's giving God. It's no good asking God to teach you unless you understand that he's Lord. It's no good asking for instruction unless you're coming to him with the same resolve as David came to him with, I will walk in your truth. God is not interested in giving you a head full of information. He's not interested in giving you, you know, a fat head and a thin heart so that you can parrot fashion scripture and verse to others. He wants you with an open heart to come to him in desperation and say, Lord, I submit my life under your guidance, under your instruction, under your tutorage. And as a, if you will teach me, if you will take me up on my request, I will. I will walk out this truth. God loves it. It's a call for intimacy. It's a call for love and relationship. It's a, it's a call for closeness. In fact, in the New Testament, it says, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. This is a man that's drawing near to God. This is a man that says, I, I refuse to listen to all of the other voices. 
in my day, in my time, in the hour. I, I refuse to, to, to receive instruction and teaching from anywhere else other than you. Teach me your ways. Your ways. God had said to Moses, my ways are higher than your ways. So higher are my ways than your ways. As the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts from your ways, Moses. He wasn't saying that to Moses, Moses condescendingly. He wasn't trying to make Moses feel bad because it says of Moses in the Psalms that he was a man that knew God's ways. It says the children of Israel knew God's acts. But Moses knew God's ways. It's one thing to know about miracles. It's one thing to know about acts. It's one thing to know about what God can do for you. But oh, when you begin to know God's ways, when you begin to know his interior nature, when his nature starts to, you know, you know, uh, come about in your life when the Bible talks about we are partakers of God. You become a partaker of his ways. You become a partaker of his nature. Oh, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. God will do miracles all day. And yet for 40 years and, and 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness not knowing what to do. Half, you know, one, one foot in Egypt and one foot towards the promised land. And they, they, they vacillated between decision after decision. Is God for us? Is God against us? They were always suspicious of him. And yet God was doing miracle day after day after day. But then all of the miracles that they had and they encountered made them more unstable. But Moses was a man that didn't just know the miracles of God. He says, Moses knew God's ways. When you know God's ways, whether you get a miracle or not, it's irrelevant. It really is. Because God is with you. God is for you. God is not against you. In Him you live. In Him you move. In Him you have your being. God's moved from being some little magician or some kind of rabbit's foot that you hold and shake and wave in the air when you're going through a difficult time. No, you can be in a prison and sing and trust him because you know his ways. You see, you know his ways. And that's what David cried for and asked for when he said, Lord, teach me. Teach me your ways. Oh, Lord. That I, might, that I might walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. When you read this psalm, you see that David was lost. He was lost. He didn't have the coordinates necessary to go forward into the things of God. He'd, he'd fallen short. He'd made choices that he was now regretting because he was on a wrong road. And that's why he's desperately asking for instruction and impartation and wisdom and guidance and navigation from God. That's why he's asking for it. Teach me your ways. I'm lost, God. Are you lost today? Are you struggling with choices today? Are you, are you afraid of the future today? Is things uncertain? Are you confused today? If the answer is yes, then God is willing 
and gracious enough to be your teacher. To be your teacher. Jesus said, I will send you another counselor. Another one, the Holy Spirit, to come alongside you. Counsel you. Teach you. Instruct you. And not only that, in John's epistles, John wonderfully says this, there is an anointing that abides within you whereby you have no need that any man teach you, for the anointing will teach you concerning all things. You need teaching, you need instruction, the Holy Ghost will teach you, will instruct you, will be that navigation, will be that navigation for you through this dark world that we live in. David was at a place a dead-end place. How do I know that? Well, you read verse 1 of this very psalm. And David is crying out to God right at the beginning. He says, bow down your ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. I am poor and and needy. Now, this is the king of Israel writing this psalm. This is a king with many riches, with much riches, many acquisitions under him. And yet here, he's exclaiming and asking God to bow down to, 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 to help him. He, he acknowledges the fact that he's poor and needy. He's acknowledging the fact that the blueprint that he's holding isn't good enough to go forward with. He's acknowledging the fact that the set of instructions that he's chosen to obey have fallen short. I'm poor and needy, God. Please bow down. And as you go down through the psalm, he cries out in that, in that wonderful statement, teach me your ways. You see, sometimes the greatest blessing is to get to a point that you're very poor and needy inside. Sometimes that's the greatest place. It's the most positive place to be at. You may feel alone. You may feel lonely. You may feel as if you've been left aside. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. Poor and needy. You're in great company because David, the king of Israel, was in that position and God came to his aid. He really did. The one thing that will teach, the one thing that will bring you out of poverty, the one thing that will bring you out of need is not this world's resources. It's teaching from the Lord. Teaching. Jesus said, I've come to preach good news to the poor. Good news will sort poverty out. You can throw resource after resource after resource and people will just consume it. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But at the end of consuming all of that resource, they will still be in, a, be in an impoverished state. The one thing that enables you to rise beyond poverty, the one thing that enables us as the church of God to rise beyond need is teaching. David realized it. Teach me. Teach me your ways. I will walk in your truth. That's empowerment. That's freedom of living. And then on from that, David, in verse 5, 
of Psalm 86, realizing that he'd made a mistake, realizing that he'd gone on a detour, realizing that he'd made choices that he shouldn't have made like us all. He relies and holds on to God's goodness. Oh, thank God. God is so good. Thank God that even when we're lost, when we feel abandoned, when we know that we've made the, the choices to get us in the mess that we've got in, thank God for His goodness. He relies on God's goodness. Verse 5, he says, for you, Lord. Can you see how he's calling him Lord all the time? Oh my God, he has an understanding of the Lordship. Submission to bring his life under God's governance again. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. Ready to forgive. When you cross somebody's path, when you make somebody angry, very often they're not ready to forgive you. Do you know what? When you cross God, when you disobey God, He's gracious and He is ready not to judge you, not to be angry with you, not to give you the cold shoulder, ready to forgive. What does that say? It says that God comes running to you in your crisis, in your time of need, wrapping His arms around you to restore relationship. He's ready to forgive. And abundant in mercy. To all those who clean their act up, no. To all those who do penance, no. To all those who call on Him, oh God, that's all you got to do, man. Oh God, help me. Help me, God. I'm lost. I've made wrong turn after wrong turn. I've made wrong choice after wrong choice. Please help me. Ready to forgive all who call on him. I'm going to ask James, the musicians, to come. We're going to close the service right now. Do you know, years ago, we were on holiday and we went to a place called Leeds Castle, up near Dover, I think it is. And, you know, it was a Saturday. We had, it was a lovely sunny day. And I remember vividly in that castle grounds, there was a large maze. And Faye and I thought, let's have a go. Let's have some fun. Let's try and get through this maze. We went into the maze. And, you know, when you go into a maze, it seems, you know, oh, man, this is going to be easy street. We can get through this. Suddenly, we got into the maze, and we were making turn after turn, choice after choice. 30, 40 minutes later, we were running round in that maze trying to get out, not even knowing how to get back to the beginning. Here, there, everywhere, it seemed as if we were completely lost in this, in this maze. And you, the, the, the wild thing about this maze was that you couldn't look over the top. It was, it was overhead height. The maze was overhead height and we were lost. But then when we turned one corner, there was a little sign. Amazing little sign. It said, if you're lost, 
ask for help. It's great. Ask for help. What a great idea. Now, you, when, you, when you come into a, into a situation like that, you, your male ego rises up. You think, no, we don't need to ask for help. I'll lead you on through, Faye. Don't worry, we'll find the end of this. So you can either get arrogant and proud, and you're going to just remain lost. Or you can humble yourself like David and say, I'm poor. I'm needy. Tell you now, when you acknowledge your poverty, when you acknowledge your need, not before people. God doesn't want to shame anybody. Before God, you get absolute assistance. Assistance. The Bible says that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He opposes, he resists the proud, but he gives assistance to the humble. I'm in need. I'm poor. Complete assistance. Not just from anybody, but from the Lord. Instruction, teaching, impartation, navigation system, blueprint. You're on your way to a great future. Assistance. So, I looked around. I thought, well, my goodness, where, where can we get help from? And then all of a sudden, I saw a man, the oddest thing. We hadn't seen this man, right? When, when we entered the maze, we got into the middle of the maze, and there's a guy sat on a big ladder with a chair on it in the middle of a maze, right? And we, it was pointing to him, call for help. I thought, thank God somebody's here in the middle of this. We'd be here for the next year. I said, excuse me, we seem to have a problem. We're lost. You've got to acknowledge your need. You've got to acknowledge it. And even with our witnessing out there to people, we're encouraging them, aren't we, to receive Jesus. We're trying to help our friends. But you know what? They have to acknowledge their need. Jesus isn't a cheap way to heaven, friends. He died on a cross and gave his life and was buried in a tomb, went to hell for you and me and ascended on high and sits at the right hand of the Father. This isn't a cheap, this isn't a cheap way out of, a, of, of death. Jesus gave his all. But we have to acknowledge the fact that we're lost. People have to acknowledge the fact that they need Jesus. Yeah, we're lost. Now, the great thing about this man was this. He had an elevated position. He could see the maze from a bird's eye view. So, he, he, said, he, he gave us a set of instructions. Well, you need to go from where you are, straight on, turn left, and left, right, left, right, to the point where we got to the end and we said, thank you very much, we're out of the maze now, on we go. You see, we needed somebody from an elevated position to see where we had landed in order to get us from that place of being lost into a place of freedom. David saying, Lord, I recognize that you are elevated above my life. 
I recognize that your wisdom, your design for me is higher than mine. Teach me your ways. I'm encouraging us in these days, in these times. Take hold of the blueprint again. Let it teach you. Take hold of the Word of God. Let it be a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. Let it richly dwell within you. Don't be just one that knows the acts of God. Let's be a people that know His ways. He's a counselor. He's a teacher. He's an instructor. There's an anointing within you. It's in you as a result of the Holy Spirit. You don't need that any man teach you concerning anything, for the anointing will teach you concerning all things. That's the Holy Spirit. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be your teacher. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. We're going to close and pray right now. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. You may be here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. And you're in that position where you just feel lost. Hey, listen, every single one of us in this room has been where you are today. We have. We could tell you our story like you could tell us your story. But you know what? We believe, I believe, certainly, that Jesus has brought you here today. I do. I believe He's so interested, so in love with you. He doesn't want to see you just wander around in circles. He doesn't want to see you, your life just spiral down with wrong decision after wrong decision. He wants to help you, to hand you the blueprint, to build your life. He wants to hand you a set of instructions so you can listen and obey. He wants you to be taught, to be brought from that place of loneliness and lostness into a place of wholeness in Him. I'm going to pray right now. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, would you please say these these words with me. Just a simple prayer. You're calling on the Lord. Like David talked about, you're calling on the Lord. When you call on the Lord, David said, He'll forgive you. When you call on the Lord, He will bring you into a place of safety. Right now, you're going to do that. Pray this prayer. Jesus, I ask you, right now, Come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to lavish your goodness on my life. Be that sat-nav inside. I confess my need for you. Save me from my sin. Amen. Now, while eyes are closed, while heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, would you quickly slip up your hand? We'll give you a Bible. That's it. That's it. Put your hand up. 
Look at Wayne there. Wayne just got baptized. He's putting his hand up to ask Jesus into his heart. That's a man that's humble, man. That's a man that just wants God's guidance. I tell you, Wayne, God will guide you, mate, and he'll teach you. Do wonderful things in your life. Well done, mate. Is there anybody else? That's it, Paul. Excellent, mate. Maybe you're in this place. That's it. There's a, a gentleman back there. Well done, sir. It takes courage, you know. Remember when I was in a situation and somebody was asking me to put my hand up to receive Jesus and I was so afraid. I understand that. I understand. But we just want to give you a Bible. Give you a few moments. Well done. Lord, I pray for people that have lifted their hands. They've prayed in their heart today to ask you to be their Savior. Holy Spirit, I pray. Even if they haven't lifted their hands, absolutely fine. That prayer that they've prayed, I pray now, Lord, that you would hold their hand and you would be with them. And that they would be a part of this family and grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen.